Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good morning to you and Happy New Year to you. Hope your New Year's off to a good start. We welcome you to Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049 1019 AM 1260. We're live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. We're with you up till the noon hour, and then it'll be Chad and Zay coming up to that point. The we pronoun used there, encompassing the three of us. My co host, of course. The pride of Northwest Williamson County, a proud graduate of Florence High School. Always. And you might have remembered him from his days as an honorable mention all-district offensive lineman when he wore the purple and white of the Florence Buffaloes. Nobody remembers that. Known as Highway 79. They remember Northwest Williamson County. No reason to remember that. But you probably know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe. How you doing? Happy New Year, fellas. Yeah, before you too. We, before we move on to uh, more important matters this mm-hmm. morning, as president of the James Franklin Fan Club, yes. and, and as the unabashed James Franklin truther yes. on this station, yeah, y'all like Penn State getting that Rose Bowl win about that? yesterday? Yeah, yeah. nice, you, you, nice little eleven win season for James Franklin. You were on board with James Franklin. I was too. I remember Kevin Dunn was not, and then there's somebody else out of our. Pretty much everybody. <laughs> yeah, they I know Bucky but he's not a big Rod, Rod and I have had some James Franklin conversations, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Rod and I have had the conversation about Jim Harbaugh. He was shocked when several years ago I said I thought he was the most overrated coach in football. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? He went to the Super Bowl, right? I think there's there's been two two conversations Rod and I have had where I felt like he was legitimately hot. One was I mentioned something about Derrick Rose. And Rod, oh, don't get him started on Derek Rod. Rose. Went on the the spiel about how Derrick Rose is the worst NBA yeah, MVP ever. of all time, right? Right. And the other, and he's one, got some empirical evidence to back it up. Yes. And the other one, Des Bryant had set the. I remember we were at the other place. Des Bryant, I think, had set the Cowboys franchise record for receiving touchdowns. Yeah. And the Michael Irvin Des Bryant debate commenced. Right. And Rod was very, very adamant that taking Des Bryant's side in that debate that he was correct. Mm. Okay. So that's the and in times I've had. Conversations, debates, discussions with Rod. Those are the two times that he's. I've really seen him get fired up. Right. <laughs> well, other, other than the time that um, he threatened to give Bucky Godbolt the windpipe chop. But that's that's another yeah, story yeah, for yeah, another, another day. Yeah, indeed. Uh, our producer, our erstwhile producer, is the purveyor of all good things, Flex ATX, because after all, in the final analysis, it's the Flex. He's Jonathan John Donaldson, J. J. Donaldson. We know him as Snoop Daniel. How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2023. Yeah. Let's get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did you hear what Snoop and I did without you on Friday, Craig? No, I did not. Well, yeah, we had a fun show. We took calls in the second hour. <laughs> Just like you did the prior year. Yeah. How'd yeah. that roll for you? I, I'll, I'm i very happy to report that... Nothing all, objectionable? Our, our callers were awesome. Yeah. It just shows you that... Uh, the type of person that listens to Light the Towers a little more maybe highbrow than you would uh-huh. think. Uh, didn't make me regret the decision, so props to the callers, props to the listeners. 
text I, line wow. was good. So, yeah, it was awesome. Okay, well, good. Good. I'm, so I'm, everybody just stay on hold until <laughs> next year after the bowl game and we'll yeah. take calls again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so uh, we're with you. Uh, our uh, Specs text line is open at 337-3776-512-337-3776. Our man CB says, don't forget Rod's RG3 Colt McCoy hot take. I don't remember that one. I don't remember that one, uh, CB. We're recording the Blitz after the show. I'll have to ask Rod what that was all about. You doing I, all right over there, Craig? I had to. Uh, there was a cable that came out, okay. and I had to plug that back in. We're all good now. Um, but we're with you up till noon, and there's there's plenty to discuss. Obviously, um, as we draw closer to um, the noon hour, uh, hopefully, we'll have more of an update if there is more of an update to share about DeMar Hamlin's condition. He remains in critical condition after suffering cardiac arrest last night on the field. Uh, the uh, Buffalo Bills rookie safety in the game with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, obviously, it was a terrifying, scary, horrifying moment uh, for especially for those who were right there looking at it, his Bills teammates, even the the, the Bengals, the other people. It was... It was um, horrifying to see and um, really scary and uh, you know uh, as as folks continue to offer up their thoughts and prayers and that's a good idea uh, in addition to that uh, also I think um, the kudos to the first responders who were there to really work on him and had to work on him I think like 17 minutes on the field or something uh, when his heartbeat was restored on the field before leaving in an ambulance as well. He was intubated last night with a you know tube down the throat and um, uh, for oxygen, and hopefully uh, he will continue to progress and we'll have good news. But that's, that's where it is right now. It has spawned a great many conversations. Um, uh, you know, about uh, how people react and respond to these things, their thoughts. Uh, also, you know, what, if anything, is to be done about that game itself? Um, you know, whether, I mean, obviously, in terms of the NFL playoff scenarios going into the night, there was a great deal of anticipation about that game because it had a lot of impact in terms of the division titles and. Uh, seeding and number one possible seed and all that other sort of stuff, which became really, really insignificant uh, in in the moment and in the light of what was happening on the field with uh, Demar Hamlin. And so, there's still the conversation about you know where it goes beyond that. There was a, there was a great deal in in watching uh, not only the coverage on ESPN and and uh, I will I'll tip my hat to them and and I will tell you. As a uh, play-by-play guy, it is difficult to know what to say when someone is down on the field for a while and you do not know what the reason is for them being down on the field. You don't know what the health-related reason is, be it injury or whatever. And you're making sure that you say things that give all proper deference and respect while at the same time trying, trying to relay as best you can 
what you know and what might be getting uh, the information that's coming to you. It's it's not an easy thing to do. And uh, so there's a, a tip of the hat to to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. There is a large tip of the hat as well to that Monday Night Football studio crew. They just kept going back to Susie Colber and Adam Schefter and Booger McFarlane and uh, you could tell how it was, it was affecting them as well, and they were trying to get through that, and it was just going back and forth with nothing to update for over an hour. And then, I don't know if anybody stayed up afterwards and saw uh, what Scott Van Pelt was doing yeah. with Ryan Clark, but mm-hmm. that was that was really, uh, really, really far-reaching and touching, I think, what, what they had to say. So I, I will, I, I'm one of the first to... I don't know if I'm one of the first, but I, I'm certainly not hesitant to be critical of four-letter network at times when I think they're doing things for their own agenda and things of that nature. I'm not, you know, there's a lot that they do that I don't like, uh, but I will be the first or, or try to be one of the first anyway to congratulate those who work there for giving what they have to talk about the situation. And I thought they did a good job of that last night. So yeah, I thought everybody that. did. Um, the Scott Van Pelt part. I, I'll tell yeah. you. I tell you this from my perspective, Craig. I I'd had some stuff to do, and uh, Charlotte had dance class last night. So and you know, getting home and making dinner and running around, everything's. It's a bit of a cluster at my house mm-hmm. on, on nights. She has stuff to do, but um, I thought, oh, let me go check in on the Monday night game. And I hadn't checked Twitter or anything, and I'm seeing the game suspended, and mm-hmm. then start seeing it on social media. It's weird how when you you know you see a bad injury and, and you know you feel for the for the guy that got injured mm-hmm. or girl in case you're watching a, a, a women's sport, um, but to watch that, my only reaction was my heart just dropped into my gut because mm-hmm. you don't you don't see that and for you from a broadcaster's perspective, there's not I mean. If a guy goes down with a leg injury, you can see a replay or whatever. If you you can oh is it a shoulder? Is it a stinger? There's certain injuries that you can even if you obviously don't know for sure, you can get an idea of what it might be. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that prepares you for that, Mm-mm. and I it's you could tell both teams the way the way the demeanor was. I'm like there's there's no way they're going to play this game tonight. No, and and where it goes from there, who who knows. Um, uh, there was also a great deal of, like I said, there was back and forth on social media with folks saying uh, they shouldn't even. Uh, why is the NFL ordering them to get back out on the field? We've we've since found out that was never the case. Uh, there was the officials on the field at first had sent the teams off and said, "Come back and and we'll be ready to go in five minutes." Uh, and and then the players were saying, "No, no, no, we're not ready to go." That the NFL never told them. Be ready to go in five minutes. And Troy Vincent was very adamant in saying that the player, you know, from the, on the perspective of the league, the players' association said it itself. When they said the yeah. players did not want to go back out there, they were like, "Yes, right." And and it's not going any farther. And it was shut down after that. Where it goes from there, we don't know. Um, uh, you know, maybe they try to play it later this week, and then and then you see about early next week. I don't know. I you know I I don't know I don't think anybody I don't I don't know that the NFL I, I would say the NFL right now may not have a working plan they may have several ideas but they may not have and and a lot of this is going to depend as they continue to monitor absolutely the health of uh, Demar Hamlin I was and, just and checking, that's the most important thing I was just checking 
Twitter. I haven't seen it. Nothing new has nope. popped up yet. No. So, um, so uh, the, the, a couple of things on the Specs text line, because we've got to get to some other things. Um, somebody said, I'm a man who likes routine. Glad we're back at it. Listening to you guys every day. Appreciate that. Um, and then there was somebody said, what's the latest on Coach Beard? There is no latest. Um uh, with regard to his indefinite suspension. And Rodney Terry's been coaching the Longhorn basketball team. He will coach them tonight as they take on Kansas State, uh, two 12-1 teams. And, um, and you can hear that contest uh, on the horn tonight, uh, 7.30 airtime, 8 o'clock tip. Understand this, uh, it, and, and I completely understand the question about what's the latest, what's the latest. As long as there is no latest, you wouldn't be hearing us say anything. Right. But as soon as there is latest, you will definitely – it's not like we would ignore any updated situation on it. As soon as we find out, as soon as, um, you know, whatever, the university and or, uh, you know, where where it goes from there in terms of um, uh, the, the legal system and all those sorts of things, as soon as those things are disseminated, then we will update – Here's where it is, so on and so forth, that sort of thing. We're not. I, I just want you to know, in case you'd have any or those guys, avoid, we're not avoiding anything. There's nothing to avoid because there's no update to give. Uh, that's where it is right now. And as soon as uh, we do hear updated, we will give you updated as as uh, as soon as we hear that. So we'll definitely uh, definitely do that. There's uh the initial hearing in this deal is scheduled for uh, in the January 18th. Yeah, yeah. About two weeks from now. So yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine we hear something from one of the two parties or some party by then, but that's kind of the next date to yeah. target if you're looking for something of substance. Right. And then the other uh, big story in these parts, anyway, as well as in all of the college baseball world, uh, began to uh, filter out yesterday morning uh, with the passing of Coach Cliff Gustafson um, at the age of 91, passed away early yesterday morning. And uh, there were those of us, even though we were not on the air yesterday, we were sharing our thoughts on social media about the passing of Coach Gus and what he uh, meant to uh, Texas Longhorn baseball and to the community, to the university, those things. And this morning, uh, Bucky and Aaron had uh, conversations with Ty Harrington and also with David Pierce. Uh, to sharing their thoughts uh, on their time together. Coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, Keith Moreland, of course, lifetime Longhorn, former All-American for Coach Gus, and a key member of the 1975 National Championship team, will join us in studio. Uh, Keith uh, will uh, get his thoughts and, and memories of, uh, of playing for Coach Gus, coaching for Coach Gus, because he was a, he was a, uh, an assistant uh, briefly, and... Um, and then also, uh, we'll hear some comments from Roger Clemens about it. So we'll have we'll have that coming up in the eleven o'clock hour. Uh, but the the tributes continued to pour in throughout the day yesterday and this morning on uh, Cliff Gustafson. And I know his time preceded yours. Uh, certainly, it actually even preceded mine as being on the game broadcast. Mm-hmm. I think I had to go back and think about this. <coughs> I think I worked one game, maybe two. With Bill Shoning, this would have been um, maybe in 95 or 96, Texas played TCU 
at what was then the ballpark in Arlington, now, you know, Choctaw Stadium. And uh, they played them up there. And, of course, I was still living and working in the Metroplex. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was the analyst on football, men's basketball, but not baseball because the, all the broadcasts were down here locally. But uh, Bill had someone not be able to work with him on a game and ask if I wanted to. And so, I mean, I wor- literally worked in the ballpark in Arlington, the radio station. KRLD was inside the ballpark, so it was no trick for me to go over there. And I think I worked a game or two. Those were the only games – I think that I ever worked a broadcast that Cliff Gustafson coached. Uh, obviously, had met him and got to know him, and and uh, over the years got to know him really well. But it, but his time as a coach preceded time. My my first uh, full season working on air broadcast, Augie Garrido was already head coach. Mm-hmm. But I did get to know Coach Gus over time and and uh, enjoyed his company. And he was always effusive in his praise of what we did and was very complimentary of our work and used to listen to us a, a lot, especially in the pre-third tier television days right he would listen to a lot of our broadcast and uh, was very very complimentary of it and i and i got a chance to visit with him on many occasions the the last one being at the regional last june the last time he came to ufc udish Falkfield, when i ran went around um uh to the suite that he was in there the doug hodo was in there mm-hmm. uh and and greg swindell and and several other uh Lifetime Longhorns who were spending time with Coach Gus and his family, and it was it was it was good to see him. And he was one of those iconic coaches. I mean, the record shows it, but also the impact that uh, he made on on uh, college baseball players as ball players and as young men. Uh, nobody that's ever been the head baseball coach at Texas has won more games on the forty than Cliff Gustin. I think Augie's mm-hmm. in the 800s, but. All of Gus's wins were here. Yes, uh, that is correct. Two national championships. He had three other runner-up finishes in Omaha. And you know, for me, Craig, growing up, I always tell people this. You know, growing up where I did in, in Florence, America, I, I wasn't near the Metroplex or Houston, and you're a pretty good ways from San Antonio in terms of news coverage. Texas was my pro team growing up. Yeah, but because of the way they were covered, especially back in those days, uh, in terms of newspaper coverage. But you know, football and, and men's basketball weren't nationally elite programs at that point the standard for excellence was baseball Mm -hmm. and you know it's funny like there's longhorn fans that say well who's your favorite you know your first favorite longhorn i was ricky williams or it was earl campbell or it was colt mccoy for me it was brooks kieschnick and the baseball program and the, the first the first time I ever I can remember like legit sports crying was when they got eliminated from the College World Series in '92. Mm-hmm. And so you know, following that program, you know, that's to me how I remember Coach Gus is the standard as far as I can remember was always very high, and he was the head coach while that standard was set. Not that the program was bad before he took over; it certainly wasn't. But to do what he did to to be as dominant in the Southwest Conference as they were, uh, to be a fixture in Omaha. To win, I think he's got the second most wins all time in the College World Series of forty four. That's correct. Uh, just and, and then to see, to see and hear what uh, I know. Keith had a message on Twitter yesterday. I saw Greg Swindell's message. Heard a couple and, of different and, things. And, and by the way, I didn't want to leave him out. Zeke was also on this morning, right, uh, with Bucky and Aaron, and it was always great to hear from uh, from Greg. Swindell. Heard some things from Brooks Keishnick, who's going to be on yep. the, uh, Rod and Hards on Ball Don't Lie this afternoon, right. Uh, it's just it's it's really cool. It you know it's it's, it's interesting, and I I'm, I want to get Keith's take on this. Like you talk about the players that were, were hanging out with Coach Gus during the regional. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's really interesting to see, you know, a lot of, there, there are programs across the country and athletic departments that talk about being family, but when you get, you know, Texas baseball players together, it really does legitimately feel like family. Like when, yep. you know, Augie's guys are together and the guys who played for Coach Gus are together, you really get a sense. Yeah, they won a lot of games. They had a lot of success together. But you get a feeling like those guys genuinely care about each other mm-hmm. as people. And that, that to me, is the cool thing that I've gotten to see these last few years. True enough. And so Keith will be on with us in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll have some memories of that. And we'll talk about some other things as well with Keith Moreland coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, one of those things we'll talk with him about, he worked a lot of college football telecasts this year, and we'll get his thoughts on the national championship matchup now, Georgia and TCU. TCU. How about that? Yeah. Speaking of Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. You, to you referenced yeah, earlier. Yeah. You still think he's the most overrated coach in the country, correct? Not the most. One of the most? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not not the most. <laughs> At the time, I think I said that with Rod. I think I did say he was the most. I don't think he is the most. But uh, but but anyway, it was um, uh, it was uh, it, it what a day of semifinals as well as college football. Both of those games been the best the best day of semifinals we've had in the playoff era. No question. What what I thought what, the one. Big takeaway I had from that game, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if, if you've got a different point of view. I was gobsmacked at how Michigan looked so unprepared to handle TCU speed and athleticism. It's like they really underestimated how fast, how athletic that TCU team is. Yeah, there was all of this stuff, and, and college game day just ate it up hook, line, and sinker. Uh, the whole thing about the the smash the, the element of, of Michigan and all that. And I was like, you guys don't know what you're – you really don't know what you're dealing with with TCU, you, uh, do you? Some you of the really talking don't. heads, it feels like they haven't watched Big 12 football in 10 yeah. years. And and it was like, you don't you, you don't you don't completely get TCU, do you? And uh, and so that I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you that, that they didn't um, – they didn't seem ready for yeah. that. Like go back, go back and watch Texas fans. I don't know if you want to do it, but go back and watch the Texas TCU game mm-hmm. from November. That was as physical and as violent a football game mm-hmm. as you'll see. It wasn't like this. I think I think the Big Twelve people just got it in their heads watching you know the RG three era of Baylor and, and those Mike Gundy Oklahoma State teams and, uh, and certainly you know what Baker Mayfield was doing in Oklahoma. Oh, they just throw the ball all over the place in this fast. No. Go look at how many Big 12 teams. You know, Texas, I think, was going into the bowl game. I'll say they were 28th, 29th in the country in rushing offense, and they were like fifth or sixth in the Big 12 mm-hmm. running the football. There are really good teams that run the football in this league. There are teams that play really good defense in this league. Texas played good defense this year. Iowa State, year in and year out, plays really good defense. Uh, Oklahoma State, not this year, but they have been a really good defensive team. TCU in spurts, we've seen them play really good defense. They're more opportunistic than anything, but just that gross misconception of what this league is, it just, it irks me to no end. Yeah, 
Yeah, indeed. Our, our friend Stoner on the Specs text line at 337 as long as Kirk Ferentz is still coaching, the most overrated, overpaid <laughs> spot is spoken for. Hey, beat Kentucky in the bowl game now. <laughs> I'm I'm more shocked that they got to 21 points rather than they won the game. <laughs> I hope uh, everybody took the under if you're into such things. Female listener 17 says, do you think TCU can hang with Georgia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. Absolutely. I do think they can. So, uh, uh so anyway, um, there it is. It's a, how peeved are Texas alums at TCU and Sonny Dykes make it to the championship in year one, and Sarka Texas doing what they're doing in year two? I think it's two different. I think it's two different issues that you're talking about. Somebody made an excellent point in writing yesterday about the veteran leadership that TCU had on both sides of the football. Mm-hmm. There, they were the most experienced team in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and that it, it counts for something. Now, did the Longhorns have some shortcomings? Absolutely. And could they have done better in some areas? No doubt about it. We, we've discussed those at length. Uh, Sark has discussed those at length. But is the program – here's some, what somebody put out. Is the program better now than it was two years ago when Sark took the job? And I say I think it is. It's on better footing, yeah. Yeah, better footing. Uh, do they still – have a ways to go, of course, and there's and that's where trying to stack these recruiting classes helps. Yeah, and then, then it's the developmental piece, and it's all of it. It's all of it. And I still, I don't know that anybody can, with a hundred percent certainty, say that Steve Sarkeesian is the guy that's going to lead this team to championships, lead this program to championships. I can't say that. I haven't seen enough evidence to to prove that, but I've seen enough positives mm-hmm. that lead me to believe. Yeah, ride this thing out. A little bit and see where it goes, and I think the key thing in that, and I, I we, there was a big to- conversation about that that topic on the flagship message board at Horns twenty four seven, and my thing is, I think where Texas is not just as a football program, but as an athletic department, you're at the point now where you can't concern yourself with what TCU or Texas Tech or anybody on the outside is looking. That's what's gotten you into this vicious cycle of changing coaches every three or four years. You've got to worry about your own house, getting your own house in order mm-hmm. and your own trajectory and, and doing what you can. If that trajectory is linear, then, yeah, at some point we're going to see this thing take off. But you can't you can't think, oh, man, TCU's in the playoff. We've got to do this, this, and this. No. It can't it's, be reactionary. Right. Sark needs to just follow the plan that he's got in place. And look, at some point we'll figure out here down the road in the probably the not-too-distant future if the plan is one that's going to work or if it's not. And you get to year four or five, and that's about the point you'll you'll figure it out, and you'll probably have some signs before then. But, yeah, there's – I don't think – TCU being in the national championship game doesn't change – it doesn't change to me what Texas is facing. It shouldn't change the, the goals and the – the progress that Texas is trying to make. I totally agree on that. All right. Uh, we have a long more notebook coming up. What are we? Which direction are we going with that? I got a couple of recruiting notes, a couple okay. of football notes, too. Good. All right. We'll get to that coming up. We do have Inconceivable, uh, so we'll have from that. Uh, Snoop will be happy because I have a fast food update on, hey. on, on a couple of things to let him know. Some of it will make, to use Snoop's terms and his word that he uses so often, Sad. 
Oh, he's just sad. <laughs> All uh, right. I, I'll get to that. Uh, we've, we've got to, and then, like I said, Keith Moreland joins us in the 11 o'clock hour here. Glad to have you with us here on Light the Tower on the Horn. So make this new year the best new year with my favorite new tequila. Turn up this new year with Hot Cat Tequila. Craig Way, Jeff Howe, and Snoop Daniel. Light the Tower. Light the tower on the horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe, Snoop Daniel alongside. Question on the Specs text line. Somebody wanting to know Kansas State's one loss. It was to Butler uh, in the Big 12 Big East battle. Remember the, the, the series of games that the Big 12 played against the Big East? Texas, of course, beating Creighton and theirs. They lost on uh, November 30th to Butler. That was in Indianapolis at the old Hinkle Fieldhouse. There and they lost by 12, 76 64. But Jerome Tang's done a fine job there starting it out at uh, at K State and they won an overtime game. I had that on my iPad while watching Ohio State in Georgia on uh, Saturday night after getting back from, from Norman with the Longhorns uh, uh, win over the Oklahoma Sooners. And we'll have more on that coming up. But um, I got a chance to see that at K State. Had plenty of chances to put West Virginia away in regulation. Didn't do it down the stretch. It went in overtime. And to the Wildcats' credit, they took command of it in overtime, and they won. So they're 1-0 in the league. By the way, the only school so far, so far, in the Big 12 Conference with a road win is Texas. All the other home teams won on Saturday. All of the road teams lost. And then that continued last night with Oklahoma State's win over West Virginia. West Virginia did the did the two-game swing. They went from Manhattan to Stillwater after losing on uh, Saturday in overtime. They went to Stillwater, and they lost to Oklahoma State last night. And um, and uh, Texas, the only school with a, uh, with a road win so far. But all 10 Big 12 conference schools are in the top 50 of the net rankings in college basketball. And how do you like this according to ESPN, their BPI? Of the toughest remaining schedules in the country, the top ten toughest remaining schedules are all ten members of the Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah, that's the, and and obviously things will change during the course of the season, but that tells you how uh, how things are. And uh, Keontae Johnson, uh, the uh, transfer from Florida, who had the uh, uh, the heart condition, the uh, the um, uh, health emergency that forced him to miss most of the last two seasons, uh, was named. Um, uh, has been a Big 12 Newcomer of the Week a couple of times. He's averaging 18 points per game. So he's a key guy to watch. Uh, their uh, 6'6 swing man, uh, the grad transfer from uh, Norfolk, Virginia. But right now, it's time for a notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Why did that fade? We're just but this is button. Oh, gosh. It's, Jeff here we Howe's go. Longhorn Notebook. Sorry, yeah, that deserves a vuvuzela. Oh, you know? <laughs> there he goes. 
Yeah, it's a, a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. See if Aaron can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that's to help us get that home loan approval in a snap. She is, after all, the person who can make that 10-day home loan approval guarantee. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. That's bowersockteam.com. Uh, first Longhorn Notebook of the year for yeah, there we go. 23. so very excited about that. Uh, get over to Horns 24-7. Mike Roach is down at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. Plenty of news notes and nuggets from that event. A uh, couple of notes of interest. Uh, Tassilia Kana, who s- committed to Texas right before Sark's signing day presser, but the paperwork wasn't finalized until afterwards. Right. Uh, he's actually going to enroll early. Okay. D- didn't think he was going to, but he told Mike yesterday during check-in for the All-American Bowl that he's going to enroll early. So, so is that now 16, or le- or was Sark counting him? As one of the fifteen, I, when he joined us on the post game the other night, he said, "I think we've got fifteen guys." I think guys he was probably enroll. counting him among okay. that group. Uh, another guy that I didn't know for sure was going to uh, enroll early that it looks like he's going to is DeAndre Moore Jr. Mm-hmm. He was actually listed on the roster for the All American Bowl. Was mm-hmm. supposed to be in San Antonio this week, but uh, Mike and everybody else is being told that he won't be in attendance. So it's looking like he's going to for lack of a better term, opt out of the All-American Bowl to get ready to mm. roll early at Texas. So that's two big pieces. You talk about edge defender and wide receiver, a lot of competition at both those spots coming up. Start Really starting next week when the team gets back to campus and starts winter conditioning, uh, especially with DeAndre Moore and Jonte Cook getting on campus. I still don't have a decision in from Jordan Whittington, but a, a lot of competition in that wide receiver room, as there should be based on the results. Uh, give you a preview for Saturday. So the mm-hmm. game is on Saturday. I'll be there. Oh, you'll be at the yes, American Bowl. Which, be by my the first way, one. but which, by the way, for folks, because I've gotten a lot of questions about this, they said, "Didn't the Army Bowl already get played?" They got it. I can understand the confusion. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Army removed its association from the All American Bowl in San Antonio, had their own U.S. Army All Star Game, yeah, in Frisco. They had the unfortunate timing of choosing to play that game the same day as the state championship games in Texas on yeah. state championship yeah. Saturday. And uh, my friend Ted Emmerich did the play-by-play on that. It was on Bally's, mm-hmm. and he said it was you know, table. He said that they took all of the, the the very very small group of fans who were there, mainly family and friends of the players, and put them on one side of the stadium. Just to, to have that for a camera shot there, but I, I, the the timing of that was not real good. Nobody said on the hard camera side. Nope, nobody said on the uh, on the hard camera but side. But yes, the the game that you've seen over the years that Vince Young played in, mm-hmm. and so many Texas greats have played in. That's going to be this Saturday at the Alamo Dome. Jelani McDonald, four star athlete out of Waco Connolly, Texas likes him as a defensive player, maybe a hybrid guy, maybe a linebacker. He's going to make his official decision on Saturday. Uh, he's down to Texas, TCU, and Oklahoma State. Uh, Mike Roach, Mike really likes where Texas sits in that recruitment. Also, another guy that's going to make his declaration on Saturday, uh, Mikhail Harrison, pilot at a temple. Uh, he will have a Texas hat on the table, but don't expect Texas to be the pick. Uh, TCU and Houston are the primary contenders for his signature. So there's a couple of recruiting notes to just file away. Uh, mm-hmm. The two early enrollees and then what to look forward to in the All-American Bowl on Saturday. I did want to mention this because I, I, I think this kind of got lost in the shuffle over the weekend with the, you know, the CFP semifinals and just being New Year's weekend. Uh, Tavondre Sweat confirmed that he is going to come back for the 2023 mm-hmm. season, use that COVID year. That is, you, can't, you can't overstate how huge that is. 
for the interior defensive line. With Keandre mm-hmm. Coburn and Moro Ojimo moving on, you get Tavondre Sweat back, get Alfred Collins take another step, you get Byron Murphy back. We saw Vernon Broughton play some quality reps this year. And then the young guys, does a, a, a Chris Ross, a, an Aaron Bryant, do those guys step to the forefront and get themselves into that rotation? But, Craig, you saw everybody in the Big 12 this year. You saw Alabama. There, aren't, there weren't many teams in the country that had as deep and as talented of an interior D-line rotation as Texas had this year. That's true. And and to have Tavondre swept back next year does make it. And that group was so productive when you look at pressures and disruption rates and all the analytics and everything. Uh, that group, that's why Texas was so tough to run on. And we talked about this on Friday, uh, and Matt and Matt Butler and I talked about it on the Blitz. Uh, we recorded a Blitz Friday to, to air over the weekend. One of the things that really surprised me in the Alamo Bowl was – it felt like Washington had more sustained success in the run game than we've seen anybody have on Texas all year. Mm-hmm. But other than the 42-yard run, it's not like they were just popping off big runs. With their mentality of, hey, we want favorable third and fourth down situations, a four-yard gain on first or second down was a really good play for it them. Was. If you're setting yourself up in third and medium, third and short, to get it to fourth and short or maybe get a first down, they were willing to take those four-yard gains. It's just one of those deals, hey, it's just just keep hammering it, keep hammering it, keep hammering it, and good things will happen. So it's not like Texas just gave up a ton of yards on the ground. They did give up the one big play, but the fact that Washington, Greg, other than TCU, probably the one Texas opponent this year that really stuck with the run game and saw it through the whole way. That's true. A- ab- absolutely. And and uh, have to also give credit uh, to Michael Penix, it'd be on those those three drives um, of of 74, 88, and 90 yards, uh, the one was, I believe, 13 plays, one was 14 plays, and one was 16 plays. Yeah. And there would be like third and six, and they'd get seven. And it'd be like third and four, and they might get six. And uh, there, there weren't a lot of third and nines, pick up 12 or 13. It was the mid-range stuff they were getting to your point, Jeff, that they were getting enough on the run on first and second down uh, in, in or in the short passing game of three yards, four yards, five yards, to where it gave them third and medium, third and manageable mm-hmm. situations. That's why they went, what, nine for 15 on third downs? Uh, they were they finished the game 11 for 20 on third down. 11 two, for 20. Two for, two for three on fourth downs. All right, they were 11 for 20. Consider that they started two for six. Yeah. And 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 then went nine for their last. That's what I was saying. They went nine for their last fifteen. Nine of their last fifteen. Uh, they were. It was amazing what they were able to do. And they, and that will eventually just wear out a defense. But you know what? What the drive? The killer. The killer drive in there. Their last full possession. They had the thirteen play drive. They turned it over on downs. But it's thirteen yeah. plays. It took five and a half minutes off the clock. Yeah. Yeah. For Texas, it gave you really no chance to have a good. Any any sustainable amount of time for a good final possession right. in regulation. So, anyway, all right. Um, uh, Stoner said, I think the only defensive line, better defensive line, was Pitt when they had everyone healthy uh, and could be, Texas could be the best in the country next season, he said. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
It's possible. Mm-hmm. It's possible. I mean, Tavondre Sweat's going to be a guy that I think has himself on the NFL radar now. And again, you know, you got Alfred Collins in basically what amounts to like a contract year. Yeah, it's his him. last real big shot. Uh, you know, Vernon Broughton, like I said, made mm-hmm. really good strides. I mean, Byron Murphy might on a snap per snap basis be your mm-hmm. best deep interior defensive lineman. So yeah, I, I really compared to where we were a year ago, talking about how disappointing that group was. Mm-hmm. That group was probably from start to finish your most consistent group. Position group, with the exception of running back on the entire team, mm-hmm. was your interior defensive line. Fair enough. Um, there's so much has happened since we last did a show, like from the Longhorn Bowl game. I haven't even heard y'all talk about the Longhorn Bowl game. Well, I wasn't was here Friday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Jeff, oh. I know, was able to recap. Yeah, yeah, we the did. Bowl we game we recapped it. Yep. I, I, I was traveling on Friday up to uh, Norman. Uh, which we haven't even t- discussed. Did you get your hazard pay for that yet? <laughs> the nice thing about that that particular trip up to Norman, the weather was nice. You got in and got out. And for <laughs> folks who haven't taken note, the Longhorns have now won four in a row in Norman. They have won uh, five of the last six. They have won uh, – I know they've won uh, – I, I, I want to say it's a number like – 12 of the last 18 and 24 of the last 36 after Oklahoma had this massive edge in the series going back to Big 8 versus uh, Southwest Conference Day. So the the, the gap has narrowed uh, considerably. The, the game in Norman is the one I remember. I can remember bits and pieces of the Final Four year. Mm-hmm. The game in Norman is the one that I can tell you almost from start to finish what happened. Yeah. Because that was such that, – that was probably – the biggest win that team had in the regular season. Uh, Eddie Orn and I were talking about that. It was senior day for Hollis Price and his others, and they had the balloons in the ceiling mm-hmm. ready to come. And they got Texas down 12 with uh, 15 minutes to go. They get to the under-15 timeout, under-16 timeout. Rick Barnes angrily tells Brian Boddicker, take a seat, you're done for the day. And the famous thing, and Rick is the first one to tell this story, the T.J. Ford went up to him during the timeout and said, Coach, you want to win this game? He's like, what? You know, there's, you know how the coaches kind of gather off the side trying to figure stuff out. T.J. steps away from the players and goes up to him and says, Coach, you want to win this game? What? You want, I'm asking you, do you want to win this game? And he goes, well, of course, T.J. What do you mean? He goes, then you got to put Brian Boddicker back in. He said, well, he's yep. not going back in. Said, I'm just saying, Coach, if you want to win this game, we got to have Brian Boddicker back in. So then he was like, well, whatever, I'll think. So then, so then another three minutes goes by. It gets to under twelve, and time. I, and he says to Boddicker, "I'm putting you back in. You, you mess up once, we're done." And he goes in. and Boddicker hits two or three big three pointers, yep. makes a big defensive play. But T.J. Ford brought that team back uh, in largest in the largest measure, and they won that game. And it ruined senior day for. Hollis Price and, and Oklahoma and, and Texas got that win, and it helped them at the time draw the overall number one seed yep. for the tournament that year. So you're right. There's that. There's the Matt Coleman banked in three-pointer. There was an overtime win oh, last year. Yeah, there was an overtime winner last year. Which, by the way, if you saw the game this past Saturday and you saw what Jacob Groves did at the end of the game, it's a good thing Marcus Carr hit the last two free throws yeah. to make it a two-possession game because Groves – then hits one from just on the front court side of the midcourt stripe, and it banked in to make the final margin one point. So I, I, I had a lot of a lot a lot of questions, folks. Uh, that um, 
asked me that did not see the game because it was an early game. It was one in the afternoon. By the way, you think that's early? This Saturday, Stillwater, 11 a.m. So just little, letting you know. Little, little kegs and eggs college basketball? 11 a.m. Yeah. And then the women play there that evening at 6. It's a day-night double. Oh, you got a full day in Stillwater. I do. Huh? A full day in roll over Payne Esk- County, Esk- Oklahoma. Eskimo Joe's. That's it. For a lunch break. All right. Up next, we'll, uh, we'll have inconceivable Keith Moreland. We'll join us in the second hour of the program as well as we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app, and it holds a brand new calendar year. Yes. Uh, and it's only right and fair that we start with something from the fast food world because that goes to our friend Snoop Daniel. Show is hungry. Well, <laughs> let me. Snoop likes uh, fast food almost as much as he likes tidbits about COVID anal swabs. No. They're almost on the same level. Uh. Did, did did you already use up the fifty dollar Arby's gift card that Linda no, and I, I gave I, you? No, that is going to be this week. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. I, I I mapped it out because I get paid on the fifteenth. So. Okay, try not to use it all in one or two sittings. You know, it might be see if you can spread it out. Four. You know, you think about it. Ten dollars, you yeah. could get five meals out of that. Well, two sliders, curly fries, and a drink will run me about ten. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, four. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Um. You know how at the end of the year we see these in memoriams or the or the things about the the, the people that we lost mm-hmm. during the year. Well, CNN did a gangsta boo. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mention Snoop updated us on that yesterday. <laughs> and Barbara Walters. Yes, we did. Um, CNN's business did a thing entitled "From the McRib." To the Choco Taco, here are six foods we lost Aww. in 2022. Okay, like I said, sad, right? Yeah, you're going to be sad. <laughs> One of this, this is not going to make Jeff sad at all. Was the Burger King chicken? That thing, that that chicken thing that with the C H apostrophe K I N G. I never always kind of struggled with that. It was their is it was their fried chicken sandwich. But it didn't last very long. It wasn't doing very well. Maybe they should bring back the chicken whopper if they want a good chicken sandwich. We knew that was coming, right? Okay. All right. So that was one. Chili's original chicken tenders. Hmm. Yeah. Those are good. Man, yeah. you don't know who was 100 percent hot about that. My brother, the chicken crispers were the main thing he ordered at Chili's, and we, you know, we texted him when he found out my wife and I did. He's like. Are y'all joking? And there was a series of f bombs, and yeah, he yeah. was none too happy. I, and I have a one RIP at the end of your list if it isn't on there. Okay, Go ahead. all right. <laughs> Number three, the Choco Taco. Now we were told later the Choco Taco may be brought back. I had one at Kansas State. Did you really? K State? Yeah, they had them in the ice cream freezer there at <laughs> K State. I, I said to Andy, "Way, I said." Last Choco Taco, I guess. But no, supposedly they, they may be bringing it back. Have you heard of a tea called Honest Tea? Honest Tea? Uh, that was a, a nice tea. Apparently, not many others did as well, and it went away. <laughs> There's like Honest Juice. We buy those for Charlotte's, like organic. Okay. Uh, yes, Honest Juice. Organic or whole, you know, some kind um, of. The Vanilla juice. Frosty. But it, but they say it's not permanently gone. But they they, they cleared it off. Yes, in Wendy's because of the peppermint frosty that they had during the holidays. There is a plan to bring back the vanilla frosty. You just don't know when. You know, I, I've told you guys, I'm not a big chocolate guy. Yeah, you like the frosty. I like the frosty. There you go. And of course, the McRib. Now they say the McRib is gone for good and everything because of the, you know, you can't make it as nasty as they used to be able to. I'll anymore. call your bluff on that McDonald's. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Was All it right. too live crew? 